0: Welcome to the informed pregnancy and parenting podcast i'm your host pregnancy focused chiropractor dr Elliot berlin my guest today is a birth doula and educator nutrition consultant skincare company founder and now brand new mom carson meyer welcome back to the podcast you've been here before
1: thank you so much i have but it's been a while like five it years been... has it been five years
0: yes has anything have... changed
1: so much.
0: <laughs> Everything oh my gosh!
1: Because I remember being like a newer doula when I came on your podcast. Yeah, so much has
0: changed. And then you rose to the top for a million reasons. You became like the most sought after doula. Let's start at the beginning. Where are you from originally?
1: So originally, I'm from Malibu, California, and now I'm living in North Carolina, right outside of Asheville.
0: How do they compare?
1: They're very different, both really special places with really special people and views, but I went from oceans to mountain and you know Malibu is always very mellow, but I think it's so close to LA and the life that I knew and grew up in and so this is just so new and so calm and relaxing.
0: Mm, do you miss the ocean?
1: I do. I mean, aside from my friends and family, that's like I think the one thing that I don't have here.
0: Because you so grew it. up in the ocean.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, things change. Maybe Asheville will get an ocean.
1: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> At this rate, we might. You know.
0: <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> um So you're a birth doula, and you were a birth doula long before you were a mom. How did that come to be?
1: In coming a birth doula.
0: Yeah. Like, was that an original, Hey, I think I'll be a birth doula. Like when they say, when you're 15, what do you want to do when you grow up?
1: (laughs) Definitely not. Well, I always say that I think it really started with my mom's birth with me. Um, Although I don't remember it. I think that I was so drawn to the work when I found out what the work was because of my own story. So it goes way back, but I went to NYU. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I was lucky enough to go to a school called Gallatin where you just create your own major. So I was taking women's health classes, alternative medicine, mind-body, Eastern medicine. I was just taking my interest in bringing them together. And looking back, I didn't know what a doula was, but so much of the curriculum that I had created pertained to the work I do today. And in one of my classes, they signed the business of being born, which mm-hmm. was the first, you know, I like so many of us birth workers, I think the first introduction really to this work and the first time I saw video of birth that wasn't the scary Hollywood depiction and was really just taken aback. And I realized my reaction to it was not normal. Not everybody (laughs) cries and talks about it for months on end like I did. And then I moved back home, met my partner, Jonathan, who, you know, now the father of my child, but he invited me to a birthday party and we were like a month into dating. And I met a midwife who was a friend of his. And it was the first time I'd met a midwife, Haley, who, you know, you know, was not my gynecologist or or a birth worker or somebody who got to do this work that I could relate to and was like, Oh, wow. Like I just was captivated by her. I stalked her all night. And she told me she had started as a doula. And then I took the training and really never looked back. It just was a calling. So
0: it makes sense. You're both like so special and unique. And, you know, there are certain things that are in your hard wiring, and for both of you it seems to me like this type of work is in your hard wiring like it's just like you were meant to do this i don't know if i ever told you this but i tell people that about both of you you and Haley oaks that there's no question in my mind that in a previous life you were an extremely busy and high demand midwife and then i also had like the honor of being at a birth with you more than once and you know, you're like a little mouse in there, so quiet, but so powerfully supportive. To see something so gentle be so powerful is rare. And again, for both of you, long before you had kids. so yeah,
1: Haley and I really had that in common, which I think was why meeting her was so impactful, is we both didn't have kids. and We were both, I think, young for the job. And that was something I was so insecure about in the beginning. But it's always nice to meet people who do the work without having done it themselves yeah, and
0: you sometimes you hear people i don't want to do it who hasn't been through it and then you know both of you rose literally to the top of the demand chain because it's so much bigger than that
1: yeah and so, i always say i say you know it's not my journey like that's i think it's actually going to be harder now having had kids <laughs> To separate from it. And I think there's something so wonderful about a doula or a midwife without kids is, you know, it's never a projection. And and not that if you have kids, it is, but you have to do the work to step away from your own experience.
0: I am mm. uh, yeah, honored that you came and that we're going to talk about your birth experience. But I always wondered about both of those going into your birth, having had so much experience at other people's births, how that may or may not have affected you. And now that you have your own experience, how that may or may not change your supporting of other people down the road you mentioned the business of being born that was more than any other film that is when i ask somebody you know what are your birth intentions how did they come to be what kind of research did you do it's the number one thing that people mention and um, it's what sparked me we just launched our streaming service informed pregnancy plus and it's what really sparked me to want to do that is to have a home because people were saying, I don't know where to find it and to have a home for that film and other birth documentaries and web series and just build on that, a whole community of entertaining and informational video content. And of course it's so far, we just launched what it's the number one thing that people are watching. So 15 years later.
1: Yeah, it's so true. It's, I have chills thinking about it. Like, and I don't, I know that they know, but I don't even think they know the extent of the impact that the film had on people and their lives and generations because of birth.
0: Yes, so many references, even just on this podcast, to people who said, Business of being born changed my life. Even if your is.
1: podcast too, it's so fun being in the age when now some of my friends are starting to go on their journey and they're loving your podcast. Oh, and of course, okay. my clients love it and I tell them to watch it, but it's fun now, like coming up in my social circle of <laughs> friends being like, I heard you on Dr. Berlin's podcast, or I'm listening to this and they're coming to me, talking to me about birth for the first time because of you.
0: Ah, oh, thanks. I'm a tiny supporting role but also I work long hours and it's like people have like how do you do 12 hours a day and I'm just like it's the most crazy thing like I get to help people who are making humans whatever it is that I'm putting in as the tiniest little ingredient in the mix so I feel honored to be a part of it and to be accepted into that world in addition to birth doula and education stuff you also do some nutritional consulting what's your background there and what's your approach
1: yeah, so that's a little bit newer for me. Um, I started growing together, which maybe I'm skipping ahead, but that's my virtual circle. Um, my next one's actually coming up in March, but it started or early COVID when I saw the isolation, you know, lack of support and community, and not having doulas in the hospital. So I created this circle that is about twenty expecting moms. It's so special, and we go through everything from healthy pregnancy, nutrition, you know, body work, everything from in and out the whole picture and through preparing for birth, breastfeeding postpartum. And so in that class, I started noticing, I would talk about nutrition, which was a passion of mine and something that had played a huge role in my life. And I was asking, you know, how many of you are talking to your doctors about nutrition or midwives or, you know, what do you know about gestational diabetes? And every time it was like one or two people would raise their hands and they always had midwives. It was never if they were with an OB. And I was like, Yes, I'm passionate about this, but I didn't feel like I had a formal training to be able to really support my clients in that area. But I know how important it is for life, but certainly for pregnancy. And I was like, if this isn't a conversation that's going to be happening in the 10 minutes in your OB's office, I want to be able to have those conversations. So I took a training online uh, through the pandemic and I'm now, a certified nutrition consultant for pregnancy and postpartum, and so it's something I just weave into the classes and now with my clients, and then offer it separately as well because I now going through it myself just know firsthand how big of a role it played in my journey, yeah.
0: And I don't know your specific approach but it's one of the things postpartum in particular that i see it's one of the building blocks that gets lost sometimes where everything else is going on and so normally if you're at least having great nutrition your body can weather some of the other changes better but that just falls apart exercise falls apart self-care in general falls apart support's not there Uh, I noticed something this week, actually, just like a a big epiphany, because I've had several people want to do the 40 days postpartum, like home, and not leave the house, which in some ways seems quite beautiful and traditional, not just in one culture, but in many cultures. And so it just seems like there's a lot of logic there. But what I realized, the difference in Los Angeles anyway, is you're self-isolating. It's not like you're not leaving your house a hundred years ago in a culture that did this, where you lived with all your family and you were not leaving your space, but everybody else was there to support you, to cook you all these nutritional rich foods and to help with the baby and to support you if you were struggling in terms of lactation or anything else. Uh, Make sure that you got plenty of rest and I've now seen several people give up on the 40 days I thought it was going to be amazing and like okay day 26 I'm out yeah. and it's just a different thing being alone without your family and without that kind of support is, just, is kind of more isolating and putting everything on yourself so I don't know maybe there's a, a modern day version of it but coming back yeah. to nutrition that's one of the things that gets lost if you're doing everything you put yourself last and my wife always says you know on the airplane you put your mask on before the baby's mask in, in this sense too, you're almost, you know, not helpful to the baby if you're not taking care of yourself.
1: Totally. And it's easier said than done. I think that's the tricky part with nutrition is you can know, you can talk about it, you can have an understanding for it, but you can't just snap your fingers and it's there, you know, it needs to be, like you said, a foundation of support, especially in those first 40 days when you have very little time to be, or, or nor should you be cooking for yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, now I want to take your nutrition class. Is there a separate nutrition or is it one-on-one coaching?
1: So I put the nutrition in growing together, but I don't have a circle for nutrition yet, but it's a great idea. maybe I will right now. Mm. It's just one-on-one.
0: Amazing. Okay. Last thing before we take a little break, you have skincare, in the moon. Yeah. Now tell me all about this (laughs) because I love your products and I'm seeing that scrub everywhere now. When I go to homes, when I do a, a handful of home visits. Oh, really?
1: In, yeah. in people's houses?
0: It's I see it like all you know, step in to wash my hands in the restroom and it's in their shower. It's all um, it, everywhere. I'm seeing it around.
1: That makes me so happy, especially because you know, it's not a product specifically designed for pregnancy and postpartum, but you know where my heart is and just makes me so happy that it's adding a little bit, if any, like just nourishment and yumminess to that time, especially, Oh my God, the dry skin postpartum is so real. And mm. so that scrub and the oil has been so helpful for me, but yeah, I, I created that around the same time. Actually, I became a doula as when I launched seeing the moon and it's a clean skincare line for minimalists like myself, who just want to feel good and smell good and have a yummy luxurious product without the whole 12 step ordeal and was really born out of necessity of, I was just making it at home in my kitchen and kind of grew a cult following and here I am. And it's been a journey I never expected to be a business owner because I'm <laughs> like, we are saying my, my heart and my calling is really in the birth work, but I like just learning so much and loving, there's a creativity in there that I really enjoy as well. And of course, just like you said, like knowing that people like it makes me so happy.
0: Yeah, it's like something so easy you can do for yourself. And your one word description is perfect yumminess. <laughs> I just have dewy, dry skin, dry guy skin, and I love it. You- and um, the
1: guys I always say the the men will never buy it but they'll steal it out of the women's shower and <laughs> yes it. and so I'm secretly just starting now to market towards the men because I swear they're my biggest fans.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they, it's amazing I don't know it's like a treat you feel good it smells great it feels great on the skin and uh yumminess is the best possible description for it where do you buy it is it only online
1: Yeah, so it's online on my website, which is seeinthemoon.com, and then um, Violet Gray also sells it, and then there's some Detox Market and other stores across the Mm -hmm. country.
0: Seeinthemoon.com is good for me.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't have to leave the house. (laughs) I can stay at home scrubbing some yumminess while the next set is on the way. (laughs) All right, let's take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk about your pregnancy and then your birth. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're talking to new mommy Carson Meyer. All right, let's talk about kids. Is this the time you plan to have kids?
1: Um, yes, we definitely planned this. Like looking, you know, way back in my life. I don't know when or if I ever had a plan, but this time was very intentional and planned.
0: When you all your birth work leading up to, I don't know if you keep count, but it must be a big number. All your birth work leading up to your own pregnancy, did you ever find yourself thinking, wow, that'll be me one day?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I knew I always wanted to have kids. And I think around, well, that's not true, actually. I think growing up, I was really scared. I know I was really scared. I I remember saying many times being super young, like, I'm never going to do that. That's crazy. It's crazy (laughs) all around. How they come out is crazy. Raising (laughs) them is crazy. Like, not for me. Um, Felt very disconnected to the process. Very terrified of it. And I think like most women just was taught that that was part of cultural conditioning. And what sex ed taught me was just be scared of this. But around the time I became a doula, and once I started really learning about the process, that's definitely when I got the bug.
0: Mm. And And
1: I always saw myself in it.
0: Yeah, but more specifically, different moments of birth, like even once you were into it, especially because you had overcome sort of a mental fear of it. Did you see things where you're like gosh that could be me and I want to avoid that or
1: Oh yeah. like certain birth scenarios or like Yeah or,
0: or other things like that's the birth I want for me.
1: Yeah, I mean look, I think we all know in this work that like every birth is so different. It just like someone's life, you know, you can't look at it and be like I want that exact scenario just there's so much packed into it that will always be unique. And so I always tried to kind of keep that and remove myself from it. But of course, you know, there were certain births that I attended that definitely informed and inspired what I wanted from a birth experience. And I say this all the time and it's so true like every single client of mine has taught me so much. And I feel them all. I feel every birth and baby and mom in that journey with me in such a beautiful way and like Did through my whole birth process and pregnancy. And I feel like they really helped me through Mm -hmm. even the hard ones, right? Even the ones where I'm like, oh man, that mama went to hell and back, you know, like those even still that strength that they tapped into, I think and that I admire so much is like just such a big part of my journey. But yeah, I mean, you know, there was one birth, it was actually the last birth that I attended before giving birth myself. And I don't want to put words in her mouth, but she seemed like it was completely pain free. It was the closest thing to a ecstatic or orgasmic or whatever you want to call it birth I'd ever seen. And so it was hard not to be like, okay, cool, I'll just do that.
0: Oh, <laughs> mm. uh, I mean, I could see how that would make it tough too, because that's not the most common birth, especially no. for the first one.
1: No, but I um, do feel like, and I don't need to jump ahead. I know you're going to ask me about it, but even <laughs> though my birth was far from a, an ecstatic birth, it was not pain free or easy. It was, like in retrospect, my dream birth and everything that I would have wanted from it. So
0: color me curious. But before (laughs) we get to that, how was pregnancy?
1: Pregnancy was great. Like I said before, I think the nutrition part really was huge. And I'm so lucky. Jonathan's a great cook. And he put a lot of time and effort into nourishing me through food. And through that, I feel like I was able to avoid a lot of the, especially the first trimester crap that comes up. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was tired. I had a funny taste in my mouth the whole time and just kind of laid low a lot. But once I got past that 12 weeks, I felt amazing.
0: So were there things that helped you nutritionally that you think during that time? With Definitely. That?
1: I mean, I think just eating frequently. Was, oh, in that
0: case, I'd be fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eating a lot and... Yeah, blood sugar balance is big. Broths, lots of bone broths, healthy fats, just kind of minimizing processed foods and like eating a lot at home. It was so wild noticing the difference of when I ate out and when I ate at home. I don't mm. know what that was, if that was like seed oils or just the love that it was cooked with, but it was hard for me to eat out at restaurants. So those were kind of the main things, but I was just incorporating a lot of ginger and spices and things that I knew were going to be supportive of that. Trimester, but also of feeling good.
0: What do you do normally for exercise? And did that change during pregnancy?
1: I am not like a big exerciser. I love moving, that's really important to me, but I was never like the soul cycle maniac or you know, like high intensity interval girl. So that was easy for me to ease into a pregnancy movement routine that wasn't too different. Um, I did a lot of just yoga stretching you know, just kind of self-led strengthening weights. Uh, I really liked doing the Sculpt Society workouts that are like 20 minutes and I kind of would customize them. She has pregnancy ones, but even I would just do the normal ones and really listen to my body and kind of follow what felt good for me. I like to dance. I live on top of a 4,000 foot, well, mountains, not 4,000 feet that I live on, but um, I'm at 4,000 feet altitude and the mountain is so steep. (laughs) So I walked up and down there. And that was a huge part of my preparation. And then once it got too cold and I got too big to do that every day, I started just walking on the treadmill. And that was medicine.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't go surfing.
1: No surfing. I mean, I have friends who surf their whole pregnancy. I'm just not a good enough surfer for that. (laughs)
0: Oh, you're not that close to the ocean. (laughs) And I'm not
1: that close to the ocean. but.
0: (laughs) But I mean, it just sounds like you just naturally like to move, be outdoors and move
1: yeah and i know it's good for me
0: oh, that too. <laughs>
1: but i do love it um
0: in the second and third trimester with your body changes and the baby development were there any highlights for you
1: i mean feeling those kicks of course is just the best feeling ever and i actually didn't feel a lot of the kicks i felt more hands wiggles which makes <laughs> sense now because she is totally she's so expressive with her hands uh-huh. <laughs> so i felt those the whole time I felt her communicating with me a lot. It was really cool. I wasn't expecting that, but I feel like I've known her for so much longer than the eight weeks she's been here. I do feel like she had a very strong presence.
0: And you are probably very strongly present as well, I imagine. What was your plan for birth or intentions? What was the vision?
1: So I knew I wanted to have a home birth, which was really important to me. Why? Uh, for so many reasons. I mean, I've, I've attended so many of both. Mm-hmm. And I think even though birth is so beautiful in all the spaces, I just really admired the way the midwifery model and the model of care and even just the the freedom and the comfort of being in one's own home. And not just for the birth, the prenatals too, right? Having those be in home, talking about nutrition, talking about life, about your relationship, and so much more than just checking the heartbeat and running out the door. Having Wait,
0: the- they also measure the bump and have you pee in a cup.
1: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Don't forget the pee in the cup. Um, yeah, like I wanted more than that. And so, you know, and then for the birth, I loved not having to get in the car. I love the idea of having full freedom and mobility to move and birth as I wanted to not to be home already. Mm-hmm. And I really see birth as a really sacred ceremonial event and again not that that can't be the case in the hospital but for me i knew that it would cause stress to try and control that environment or create the experience that i wanted with a bunch of strangers not being under my own roof and so giving birth at home i really felt like i could create the environment that i wanted her to be born into with more ease
0: i also find that at home birth there are much better snacks (laughs)
1: definitely that too
0: (laughs) much better if you're even allowed to eat at the hospital and yeah everything you described sounds amazing did you have any because you're human also did you have any like anxieties or fears like anything that was like "Hmm, I gotta overcome that
1: yeah my fears were never home birth specific and I think that's the beauty of getting to witness birth in both places is really like debunking these myths that there's a danger around home birth that isn't present at the hospital, right? There's risk in birth wherever you give birth. And the hardest and scariest births I've been a part of have been in the hospital. So I knew that obviously, just like life, right, we may have to face really dark and hard times regardless of where we are. And that we can't always control for that. And so, of course, you know, like you said, I'm human. So those fears have always came up, but I never felt like being at the hospital would take away those fears, if that makes sense. I knew that sure. they were more, not existential is not the right word, but, you know, they're just bigger than that. They had to do with being a human in this world, <laughs> like there were more spiritual concerns or mm-hmm. just life concerns than they were location concerns. And I think that is an important part of preparing for birth right, is, is coming to terms with the reality of what it means to be engaging in this world, not just that we can control factors based off of isolating a certain event or provider or whatever it may be. And so those are things I've worked through with clients, but also had to work through myself. And then, yeah, of course, you know, like, will the baby come out breathing well, shoulder dystocia, like things like that, that you hear a lot of and see and you pick up on the fears in of providers or even the things like bleeding too much. Those are things that I've also been a part of in birth myself and seen happen. And so it was work for me to have to detach from those experiences of others. And then also to continue what I fortunately had such a foundation on already, but to explore the, the how can I prepare for those fears, right? How can I learn how to face them if they come up? what would I do in those situations? And so that was definitely a big part of my preparation for my partner who hasn't been in those environments. It was helpful for me to also prepare him for it for Mm -hmm. those what ifs or for those fears.
0: What does that preparation look like?
1: We watched a lot of videos. You know, I think for me, I'm one of those people that like information is power. And so we would talk to our midwives about the what ifs of those. That helped kind of walking through the measures in place that would support us in those situations. I love Indie Birth as a resource. And those videos were really helpful for both of us. He was always planning and he did catch her. And so I helped prepare him with those videos so he knew you know it's okay if we're on the bed and she's slippery and falls through your hands like look this baby (laughs) just fell right onto the bed and it was okay or Mm. you know this is something we can do if the midwife doesn't make it and baby has a hard time breathing you know like these are the ways that we can support her ourselves and things like that
0: i like watching birth videos of animals in nature and just trying to see like how they do it without the Neocortex without thinking about it, wondering, worrying. And it's always mind-blowing to me that they don't really look fearful, they don't make a lot of noise, they don't have a lot of support. And then as soon as they give birth, they turn around and start doing neonatal care. Yeah. I'm like, how do you know how to do that? (laughs) You know, it's like insane. But also, like, you'll see an elephant give birth to a 240-pound baby that just like drops on the ground and they're fine. They turn around. (laughs) They give
1: them a little kick, like, you're good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And and I think that's something part of the indeed birth videos that really helped me was watching the the moms resuscitate or the moms be involved in that process of, or even the moms move in a shoulder dystocia to help the baby come out. Whereas, you know, and not traditional traditional, but our current (laughs) tradition in (laughs) 2023 in the United States is we see and we're told kind of that we don't have the knowledge or strength to manage anything right you know that has to be in the hands of somebody who's an expert and obviously many cases there are but you know i think tapping back into the fact that a mom can stimulate her own baby a mom can suction her own baby with her mouth a mom can move to open her pelvis and those things felt really empowering to me and helped alleviate fears right it wasn't just somebody in a lab coat that knew how to help me or my baby Right.
0: I think 20, maybe almost 20 years ago, I had a conversation with the midwife, Alexandra Evangelity, and we were talking about roadside delivery, a patient of mine who had would give birth on the side of the road. And I was just like, okay, if people are not planning this, but it happens, so you're in oh. an elevator, and the elevator gets stuck, and you have to give birth. And I remember asking, like, oh, but what do you do if the cord's around the neck? And she's like, you take it off.
1: <laughs> Unwrap it
0: right and i think that's a normal concern people would have like i'm not gonna know what to do i'm like i think you will know what to do yeah Yeah. i would be a great nutritionist for myself if i could hear my inner nutritional voice but i don't i just drive by like giant billboards of fluffy (laughs) stacks of pancakes with butter and syrup (laughs) and i forget what i was supposed to be eating Mm -hmm. so i mean there's a lot there's so much hardwired and particularly into the female like dna like the energy of building babies you don't think about where do i put the eyes and where do i put the nose and yeah. how am i going to get this nervous system quite right it's just all there
1: it's so true i love that i always tell it to my clients is like what is it that we assume and expect that the pregnancy like our bodies know what to do we know how to do it it happens without thinking and worrying about it i mean we of course we worry and think and all this stuff but it's going to happen innately and then with birth one day to the next it's something that all of a sudden the mom has no idea what to do and could god forbid could ever do it without
0: you could never do this without (laughs) all right so before we go to break who was the birth team who were you planning to have with you and around you
1: yeah so actually alex who you mentioned was our virtual prenatal midwife who supported us throughout our pregnancy and we worked with and zoomed with often for nutrition and just support all along and we weren't sure if she was going to make it or not because she's in la and or in north carolina and she ultimately didn't but um she was an amazing part of our birth team and then we worked with a local midwife out here and it was just her and jonathan and i and my postpartum doula is her assistant midwife and she came the last hour and oh, wow. photographed and held beautiful space for us and then supported us postpartum so that was our team
0: I mean, we didn't talk about it, but you're also a photographer, quite the photographer, and you've done a whole bunch of birth photography.
1: I have, and it's funny, I didn't have a birth photographer. You know, our postpartum doula is not a birth photographer. She just took my iPhone and took pictures. She took great photos, but it's something I do. I knew I didn't want a birth photographer, but I wish I had had those photos because hmm. and videos that I've done for so many other people. Yeah.
0: I don't know if this is a good tip to infuse here at this point, but... What I've seen a few people do now is set up like a camera or phone, just with a wide angle, just on yeah. all the time, just catch the whole thing and then take out whatever you want from it and throw away the rest.
1: Yeah. And I thought about that like before I was like, maybe I'll do that. And then in the moment, I think there was just no way I was going to facilitate that for myself. And being that we had such a small birth team.
0: Yeah. There was um, not it, extra hands on. on that.
1: We'll talk about my birth story, but I'm glad that the things that came out of my mouth are not <laughs>
0: <I'm> not,
1: <recorded. laughs> not
0: documented I've seen it both ways really small birth at home and really big birth at home teams and I remember one it must have been not too long before you left here that we were out together and I don't know that she was always planning a home birth but she definitely wanted a big cast of characters around her and she has I think the biggest welcome at I've ever seen in my life inside oh, yeah. the house and i was one of the later people to come to that birth and when i came in there was still no room for my shoes on the welcome mat because there's so many people there and i can almost even tell i'm like okay those must be carson's shoes (laughs) you just go around and tell who's already there all right let's take a break and then find out the big story of your birth we'll be right back back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking about Carson Meyer and okay, it's time. You have your pregnancy, you've done your preparations and it's time for birth. When in relation to your estimated due date, did birth start and how?
1: I was due on my birthday.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I had no idea. I just feel really stupid admitting this as a doula that I didn't know how to calculate a due date. Like, I just was like, okay, it's, but I didn't realize there's like this two weeks that are like, not really pregnancy, but you count it, you know, so I didn't know. And then I literally just like put into Google, like conceived on this day, you know, what is due date? And it was my birthday. And I was like, oh my God,
0: I was freaking out in
1: my head. I like thought it was a monthly. I just didn't know idea. And then I always say like, never tell anyone your due date. It's a secret, it's going to get in your head. It's gonna get in everyone else's head, just leave it alone. It doesn't matter, your baby doesn't have a calendar. But yeah, like the, around 39 <laughs> weeks, I was like, why am I still pregnant? Like I went through all the motions, even though I would talked so many women off this cliff of like, you know, just feeling defeated at that point. So I went only two days past my due date before my water broke, but it felt like two years, especially because of that birthday, that was such a big marker. And I didn't care if we shared a birthday or not. It wasn't that. It's just I knew the date and I was holding on to it. But yeah, two days after my due date, my water broke at 8 p.m. sharp on the couch. That's how it started.
0: What were you doing?
1: It's very funny, actually. We were cuddling with Polly, our dog, who is adorable and <laughs> was our, you know, only child until Lou came along, and he was smiling ear to ear he is such a goofball and i don't know if he could feel it before or sense something but he was acting really funny and making this big goofy smile and mm. so we kept taking pictures of him and then like you know oohing and awing over pictures of our dog and then my water broke and so we laughed because like a few days after she was born we were thinking like what were we doing and i went to my phone and it's the picture i took of him i took on the exact minute my water broke so it's literally we have this time stamp of what we were doing and it's a really funny photo of him grinning ear to ear
0: oh uh-huh. <laughs> okay so you're cuddling on the couch water breaks and it's not a question it's like well, oh, that's my oh yeah water.
1: oh yeah and again i always tell people like usually it'll break in a trickle that hollywood gush is more for the movies i was like what is going on this is so much fluid
0: ah you could take the girl out of hollywood but <laughs> exactly <laughs> i
1: had a full-on hollywood good.
0: <laughs> okay and then I mean, is that exciting i mean you seem so very ready
1: so exciting heart was pounding but you know also nerve-wracking as you know sometimes labor doesn't start for a really long time after that yeah event. did yours it did so i i took that moment to like i called alex who was in la and i called my midwife here I just got all excited. And then I really wanted to like get our ducks in a row. So I was like, Jonathan make soup. So we have food and, <laughs> you know, let me wash my pants. Cause these are my favorite pants. <laughs> I started <laughs> bossing him around as per usual. And he was a great sport about it. And then I just got everything I, could, I felt like I needed to in order quickly. And then I really wanted to go to bed. Like I knew that we should sleep because I knew that things could start up and we could be in it for the long haul. And it ended up contractions started around midnight. So around four hours later. A
0: few hours later. Okay. Yeah. And had you been able to fall asleep?
1: No, I like got settled in bed and then they kind of started exactly when I finally was dozing <laughs> off naturally. But it's funny, like I don't remember it didn't feel sleepless. Like it didn't feel like a sleepless night. The time just went shoo, so quick.
0: How were the early contractions?
1: They were so mild and lovely and I was having them for a few days. I had a lot of Braxton Hicks. Mm. I took a car ride a day, two days before where I just felt like the whole car ride. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't think I was in labor. And in retrospect, I might have been dilated early and I will never know, but there might have been a lot of work happening before because the contractions that came at midnight felt really familiar and they were very similar to my Braxton Hicks.
0: Okay. Okay so you said lovely which is a rare
1: <laughs> well it was not time. lovely the whole time but, those okay, but the they're early
0: were, ones in comparison ones. yes um so like wave-like
1: yeah i guess wave-like and i was able to just move through them and move with them and i was just really excited that they were there and happening and so they weren't too bad they were kind of quick like it was definitely not a lot of space in between and they were long but I, I liked him. And it's funny because my mom used to always say she liked labor and that the contractions felt good. And so, so as was happening, I was like, oh, I'm going to be like my mom. It feels good for us. Again, mm-hmm. did not, that did not remain the whole time. Okay. I knew what she was talking about in that moment.
0: And then from that point, were you able to get any rest or?
1: Not really. I think I laid down like on my side throughout but like after I'd say like around three in the morning two in the morning I wanted Jonathan to be like up with me more and kind of got him up and then by six thirty, I was starting to get a little more flustered and I didn't have a doula which is funny because everyone asks you know did you have a doula at your birth and I'm like no but in that moment I was like and Jonathan was so amazing the whole birth but in that moment I told him to get rest he was getting rest but things shifted, and I don't think he realized, you know, that I was doing great on my own. And I was like, "You do you." And then all of a sudden, I was like, "You're not helping me." <laughs> like, yeah, I kind of was like, "What? I need help." And he's like, "Whoa, whoa, you know, like what's going on? You're doing great." And then I started getting like a little bit. I think that was the act of labor taking over, I where I started to feel like, okay, like I need help.
0: And what were you doing like, for all those hours before? Yeah, from like basically twelve to six.
1: That's like what I don't remember. I think I must have been dozing in and off. Like I just kept the lights off. It's so interesting. I really have a very strange, I think I like blacked out a lot of it because I don't have a lot of recollection, but I remember just kind of like moving around the room and cuddling and just moving through. I was like in a state of not, wasn't very conscious, but at 6.30, I remember being like aggravated and kind of coming to and being like, I need help. And he was tired and he was helping me, but also I was like, okay, call our midwife because I knew it was too early for her to come, but I also wanted him to feel supported. I wanted female energy in the space. And the reason I didn't have a doula is because she was going to be both for me and mm-hmm. that's how she practices. So I knew that she would provide some physical support too, and help Jonathan guide me through some of those, uh, you know, that double hip squeeze and things like that. So she came around seven 30
0: do you remember what your dog was doing during that whole time
1: so he was under the bed during like while I was pushing and I'll tell you about what he did at the end but he was cuddling with me most of the time when I was downstairs he's not allowed on our bed but he would have been right by my side but when I moved to the couch he sat next to me and kind of like watched on guard so he knew something was different he had a hard time relaxing but he didn't leave my side
0: okay Cool. And you probably at birth also home birth. They're just so different how they react.
1: Oh, uh, and the funniest part we keep laughing about. Well, A, we, going back to your first question is like, why is a home birth important to you? Honestly, a big part of it was being able to have my dog with uh, me. <laughs> but, I hear that a
0: lot. I just became a dog owner for the first time a year uh, ago. And I, I sort of get it now.
1: Yeah, they are. They They're just like such love bugs. But what's so funny and we laugh about it is, you know, I would be like, <gasps> like during labor, like, yelling at Jonathan poor Jonathan my midwife I'm like get away and then I remember just seeing Polly and my I would just be like oh I love you Polly and <laughs> I would just melt and I would be so sweet and then I'd like snap at poor Jonathan again and like but he could do no wrong and so he was <laughs> he was like this little like heart melter for me
0: oh you did have a doula
1: <laughs> he was my doula exactly
0: a male doula <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? um okay so 7 30 midwife comes and
1: she came but it was funny because the contractions were intense and that's why I wanted that physical and support and they were close together but in between no pain no sensation totally back to my normal self and that's kind of always how I thought of early labor so I was like gosh like this is super early because yes the contractions are intense and yes they're close together but I was talking to her about like music and we were eating and I was (laughs) totally myself in between and then i would have a surgeon would be like ah you know and she would help me and then we would go back to doing our thing so that lasted probably until noon
0: did you have a sense where you were on the spectrum from beginning to end
1: in terms of progress yeah no so i knew that i did not want any cervical checks i never had one in pregnancy or in uh, labor um, that was so important to me because I I know myself and I didn't want to get in my head. I didn't want to compare myself to other births. Oh, in this birth when it was four centimeters at this time it, this happens, you know, because it's it's not a crystal ball. Like
0: Yeah. So I'm not even talking about how many centimeters. Yeah, I'm just saying in progress. terms of your pattern, like of where I you were some-
1: can be as useless as the cervical exam, and I don't know if you've experienced this in your practice as well. But sometimes you see these patterns, and you're like, "Oh, baby's coming!" Like, look at the time, right? It looks like what the app tells you is active labor, and then you're 40 hours later, you're still sitting you're there, still
0: there. So, yeah. So, I mean, not as an observer, but as inside for you. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, I tried to stay away from all of those things.
0: Any kind of I would, I would of attach spectrum, to... exactly. So
1: we didn't time, okay. we didn't do anything. I had no idea. I think how close I was, but I really wasn't thinking about time. At this point, my worry was that I'd have a really, really, really long labor. So I guess in my head, I was like, we're so far away. And I kind of felt bad. My midwife was pregnant. And so I've definitely felt (laughs) guilty. Like I was like, oh, she's going to be here forever. I definitely called her too early, but I really love having her here. So I had no idea.
0: Okay. No idea where you were. And do you have any recollection of what that pattern looked like, contraction pattern, or you just didn't even pay attention to it?
1: i would say it was every three minutes for a full minute would be my
0: and then where did you feel it
1: at this point they were intense but this was when it started to i'd feel it in my hips the the contractions that happened in my uterus were the ones that i liked and they didn't bother me and they were not as bad as any period cramps or anything like that what really took my breath away and really brought me to my knees were the feeling of my pelvis and my bones opening, which I know you could probably explain to me better than I can of what was going on, but my legs, my thighs, something was going on there where I just felt everything in my legs. I felt it, my pelvis opening, my hips opening. And then I felt my tailbone, which again, is funny because every birth worker knows, okay, if you feel it in your tailbone, we know what that means. But I wasn't even thinking of that. I didn't know that meant the baby was low. I just was like, my tailbone is stuck. Somebody needs to pull it off. That's because, me. Yeah. I was like, can someone, please? like, where's Dr. Berlin? Pull my tailbone off and away from me because I just Uh-oh. felt like her head was pushing it back. And so, yeah. honestly, the contractions, I don't remember being hard. It was the physical sensation of, and I'm petite. So I think I just,
0: had to open up,
1: making room. And that was really hard for me.
0: Yeah. You had to open up. Yeah. Okay. So, how did you cope with that?
1: the manual, you
0: know, pressure
1: and all that was, was helpful, but I got into the shower, which was nice. And then I wanted to get into the tub. And so that helped, but I still was overcome at this point. And now looking back, I was in like a very active kind of transition point in the tub. Uh, I was probably in there for two hours, but what really helped was howling. I was so loud, louder than (laughs) any client I'd Anybody I've ever seen give birth, I was louder by a million. I was like, "Wow, okay, I was not expecting this," but I roared. Wow! And I could not have not done that. Like it was such an important part of my process, and I was so glad that my birth team really like invited it and encouraged it and let it happen because I do feel like I was what I needed to do.
0: I mean, it just sounds like primal instinct.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was so loud, and I I just like cry. I don't know if I cried tears, but I cried out and agony and was just like help you know that was such a big part of it for me that I think I needed to do
0: is this uh, like a birth tub that you set up or like a yeah, real okay.
1: a birth tub but unfortunately it had holes in it which we didn't know oh, about no. <laughs> <laughs> it kept it deflating while I was in it and luckily my midwife was like repairing it in real time but that was a little bit stressful it worked it all worked out fine but yeah that was fun
0: <laughs> but it's, I could see how that would be a little deflating in yeah. general. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. So then if you're in transition, what happens next?
1: Yeah. So I, at this point, this is when I was like, I'm going to die. I can't do this. I remember just like fantasizing about the hospital, which I never thought I would do. You know, that was my worst nightmare to have to go to the hospital. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, please just take me there. Give me the epidural. You know, this is too much. I remember also like really wanting external things. So like at this time I I wanted other people to like come in and take the pain away. like, I was like calling for my neighbor. Like I was like, maybe call the neighbor. Like, like she was going (laughs) to help or something, you know, like I just wanted somebody to come and like, just do something. So that was really my experience transition. I was really, you know, I I felt so much pressure in the tailbone and back there, which again is comical because if somebody was yelling, my, my butt, my butt. I'd be like, okay, you're pushing, you know, this is the time. But I was screaming that, but had no idea that meant I was close. Right. Like I had just forgotten everything I knew about birth, but wow. I just felt her so low down there. And I'm like grunting and howling. And then I just remember saying to, I had so much doubt, which is that's when I knew it was transition because that doubt was so big in me. And I said to my midwife, like, I, I just don't think it's going to work. Like, this is not going to happen. And she was like, well, why don't you just like feel and I could feel her head like right there. But I still in my head was like, I'm days away, you know, like this isn't I'm gonna have to like, go have a cesarean like it just nothing in me even feeling her head made me realize it was real. And then I wanted out of the tub right away. And I because... got on the bed and I knew in that moment I looked at her I said I'm in transition because I just knew that I couldn't go lower (laughs) like Uh I was in the depths of hell so I was like this is transition and she shrugged she never said you know yeah or she was just like maybe
0: (laughs) Uh wow and so when does her assistant come
1: so she wasn't gonna come because she actually had a little cold and they told me that they were like she has a cold you want her to come I said no do not want a cold right now. Mm. So I was just going to be my midwife, which we felt really good about, and we were totally fine. But in that moment, remember when I told you I wanted external, like I just wanted everyone else to come save me. (laughs) I was like, I screamed out like, I want her here. Like, again, not that she was going to come do it for me, but I just felt like I needed something to change the environment. So they called her and I'm so glad that we did. She was getting over her cold. She was like, totally fine. But I think she knew that I would be on edge if I heard her like, you know, clear her throat. And so she came and she really just took the photographs, which is, I'm so grateful I had, because I wouldn't have had that if she not come. So she showed up probably an hour before Lou was born while I was on the bed.
0: Oh, right. So you got out of the tub onto the bed. Yeah. Were you like, in some ways more comfortable on the bed?
1: Well, I loved the tub, but it was so wild. It was like, from one second, it was great. The next second it was like, nope, done. Get me out now. I don't know oh. if the temperature went down or what happened, but my body just told me it's time to get out.
0: Okay. Uh, like, How long are you on the bed for?
1: Probably two hours. I was at first, I instructed Jonathan to sit with his back against the headboard. And then I, like leaned over him on all fours, okay. which was really nice. And so we kind of like snuggled like that for a while. And it allowed me to be on all fours, but like to be in his arms and supported. And he was a little nervous because he knew he was supposed to catch. And that was something mm-hmm. he was excited he's about. He's like, how like, I am here? Yeah. <laughs> so I remember that being like a moment where he's like, you seem to like this? Like, what should we do? But we did that for a while. And then I got on the peanut ball. Like I laid with my leg up on my hips. And I don't even remember, but I just like tossed and turned around. I wasn't on my back at any point. I remember my midwife saying, so at this point I was clearly pushing. Again, I still don't even, no one said you're pushing. No one said push. I just was pushing. But honestly, I don't even think I knew. I was so out of my body and so out of my head and into my body. I just was doing it. And then I remember my midwife saying, you know, it might help just because of the position. Like if you wanted to get on your back, you can try that. And I just was like, I'll kill you. Like, <laughs>
0: like,
1: I am, There is no way. And in that moment, I really like my admiration for the strength of the women who have birthed on their backs in the hospital unwillingly, you know, which is many. I just there's no way like I could not have done it in the hospital. I just couldn't have because there was no way I would have been told what position to go in. I could not have tolerated that. I think the only way I was able to get through was being able to fully move in the patterns I wanted to.
0: Yeah, it seems like your mind kind of shuts down yeah at that point because you know so much and you've seen so much <laughs> and it, I was it clueless. Just, yeah in the moment maybe you were clueless but just in that neocortex yeah and, such and, a gift
1: such a gift for me because i'm a thinker you know so i was so happy I kept asking, I was like, is the baby under the pubic bone? Like, while she's crowning, you know, like, while I'm (laughs) like, like, I just, I was like in such a daze about what was going on. And I, in disbelief, I think there was a part of me given, like, I was born cesarean. I was told because of my size from doctors, you know, before becoming a doula, like, oh, you're so small. It'll be hard to give birth. You won't be able to give birth vaginally, like all the BS that I think I heard those in me while I was birthing.
0: But then at the same time, like while you're closing that out as much as you can, you're like very aware of what's happening and what you need on the deeper, older limbic part of your brain that does birth. Yeah. And it's almost magical that you're able to take so much experience from your conscious mind and put that away and have your own experience.
1: Yeah. It was such a gift.
0: All right. So you're writhing around
1: writhing around. I got on all fours. I guess at some point kind of came to the fact that, okay, I am pushing. She is close. I could feel again, not at all what I had thought the ring of fire felt like, but I was like, oh, okay. Like this is it. Like if I just keep pushing like this, I think this could be over soon. And I remember getting on all fours and just bringing one leg up. And I think in a way, you know, it's kind of like the position that you would want to get into with a shoulder dystocia. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I did that out of kind of like prevention you know like i was like i'm just gonna but i remember my midwife saying like if you put your leg like that it's gonna be the widest your pelvis will be open and i was like great let's do that (laughs) like whatever the widest so i was on all fours i brought my leg up and just kept pushing i mean i don't know what was happening but i kept doing my thing and i remember jonathan getting ready and he was so steady and like so confident and I could feel that energy, which was so soothing and just amazing to have him like right behind me. And of course, somebody who's never given birth before thinks when you see the top of the head, like that you really have to catch, little do they know, it could still be some time.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> You're almost there. You're almost there. Yeah. yeah. So I think more. he was like,
1: wait, even though I prepared him for that, he was like, okay. Now? Was no, no. He's still pushing. But I could feel there was like patience, but like that excited energy. And he was just like so ready right there. And then, her head emerged. And I remember, you know, kind of like knowing that and hearing that. And then of course, my first question, like, is she okay? (laughs) And I said that while her head was still out and my midwife and Jonathan laughed because they're like, not only is she okay, she's breathing and clearing her lungs and nose and everything on your perineum. So before she came out, she started like crying and doing her thing.
0: Oh, wow! meaning her shoulders and body are still inside. Oh yeah. Her
1: shoulders and bodies were still inside, but she was clearing her throat or her lungs. And so that was obviously very reassuring to the birth team and everyone, because they're like, she's amazing. You know, she's like doing her thing while still inside of you, like half inside of you. And so I was like, okay. And then this was when I was like, okay, shoulders now, you know, like this is the time. And I was so nervous, but like, yeah, she just came out with these into Jonathan's hands. There was a cord around the back of her neck and Jonathan unhooked it or unwrapped it. And then I remember the midwife saying to Jonathan, bring her towards you, which was her saying, you know, it was instructing him how to get the cord off and saying like, you know, bring her out, which we didn't know if it was her, but bring the baby out towards you so that she'll come out and we can take the cord off. And I heard that and I thought she was out. And so I was like, No, towards me, towards me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get to hold her first. And they were like, She's coming to you. We just have to get her, you know, out and unwrap first. And so I was like, Okay, fine. And then, you know, he quickly passed her to me because I was very impatient. I wanted her in my arms right away. Oh, and then, oh my gosh. We were holding her and we were like celebrating and so excited. Polly jumped up from out of the bed the minute he heard her cry and started uh. doing three laps around the room. Uh. And then we were both like, okay, we're going to find out if it's a boy or a girl. And of course I was like, Jonathan, like you get to announce, but he was taking too long. You know, he was like <laughs> gentle and also just like, was like in an excited fluster. And I was like, fuck it. I'm looking. <laughs> and so I did it and I was like it's a girl (laughs) like I just felt so strongly like I said before and in pregnancy I just knew she was a girl I knew it I Mm. stocked her closet with all my dresses from childhood you know I I tried to get some boy things just in case because I didn't want him to feel bad but I just would have bet anything that it was a girl so it was really Mm. funny we all laughed because I was like yep there she is
0: just like I told you (laughs) so you pushed on all fours
1: pushed yeah for the last part and delivered on all fours
0: right, yeah, delivered on all fours um did you experience a ring of fire
1: again the sensation from the muscles and the tailbone so overpowered whatever other sensations there are of labor that I thought would be there that seemed like the least of my worries it was so, so much
0: more than there than in your me. paradigm
1: yeah I don't even remember any of that it was all the bones and I didn't tear so maybe that Help and I crowned for a very long time because she had a <laughs> like, poor thing, was had a bruise on her head. Hmm. But yeah, for me, the hardest part was just those bones.
0: How big was Lou at birth?
1: Seven, four.
0: Okay. And you're, like you said, pretty petite. So you gave birth to a healthy sized baby, no tearing, no tearing. And it sounds like none of that intense pushing coaching.
1: No, there, I didn't even, like I, said, I didn't even know I was pushing. No one was coaching me. I didn't even know I was, I was doing it
0: right so but i'm just saying that's the fair. contrast in yeah. my mind to, to like you a woman on her back and you know her legs are up there's yeah. a bunch of people around and people are just like how can i breathe don't push, push, push." and you know i feel like that's where a lot of the tearing comes from
1: yeah and i think you know there's an evidence-based birth
0: article
1: review article that talks about how the number one factor that impacts tearing or not is provider skill, your provider. And I do have to credit my midwife, I think, in that.
0: Meaning, was she doing something like massaging or she
1: definitely wasn't massaging, but she was applying manual pressure.
0: Oh, just slowly. Health. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. And like helping to keep, I think, the tissues together more, which she was explaining to me later was very different than anything I'd seen or like kind of heard as an approach. And, and I think the not telling me to push when I didn't want to not, you know, like all the other stuff, like the position and of course the freedom and flexibility, but she was very hands-off in the way that I wanted her to be the whole time. But in that moment, she did step in with a skill that we had discussed before that she knew how to do to help support my perineum, which I was really grateful for.
0: Wow. Intensely beautiful. Yeah a few questions here at the tail end starting with the tail did you have like tailbone soreness afterwards
1: i did but it totally went away but i also feel like i was sitting so much in bed which it was funny i asked allison oswald you know my pelvic floor therapist i was like my tailbone hurts so bad do you think it's from sitting so much she's like um i think it's from the birth i was like oh okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> i wonder because you mentioned it so many times i wonder if you ever injured it like snowboarding or that's what people bed. kept
1: asking me and she did tell me she's like keep stretching like that area use the physio ball like because it's not gonna like untighten but I not that i remember
0: do you snowboard no i wouldn't have guessed that <laughs> <laughs> um okay did you eat during labor and if so what
1: yeah but not as much as i thought i love eating it's like my number one source of comfort but it just didn't cross my mind i had lentils in early labor that was what i had asked jonathan to make
0: how was birthing your placenta
1: Of course, birthing her was my favorite part, but I do have to say that that was a really special part for me too. That's a big fear I had. I was told in pregnancy that my iron was low and that I really couldn't afford to lose blood. And that really got in my head and really freaked me out and sent me kind of in a tailspin of trying to fix it. But then also in my way of wanting to research and understand everything, I learned a lot for another podcast about iron. But I also was really nervous. I was like, okay, like, and I felt confident by the end because of the measures I had taken to prevent too much blood loss. But I was like, okay, like this is the time where you can hemorrhage, you know, like after the baby's out, like this is the more I'd say dangerous part of birth for the mother. And I was really on edge about it. I really wanted that part to just be over. And my midwife was so in tune and could so feel that I didn't want her help. I didn't want to rush the placenta, but I also wanted it out. And I was really nervous about it. We kept asking about it. So we waited a full hour before cutting the cord. And then after an hour, she picked up on this and she said, why don't you get in the shower and you can do it yourself and you can Mm -hmm. just squat over a bowl. And that way you can know if the placenta is ready, you can feel the tension. Like I will not intervene in this process and cause a problem because I'd seen that so many times. And so I went into the shower, squatted down and I talked to my placenta. You know, I had said like, Hey, thank you so much. I'm so grateful that you protected and supported Lou and nourished her, but your work is done and you can come out now and like you can come out in one whole piece and then <laughs> like told <laughs> Peter what to do and kind of just let that happen. And I made sure Jonathan, because at this point we'd cut the cord and I had made sure Jonathan brought Lou to be there in my eyeline so that I was connected to that oxytocin flow to support it. And then I just guided it out into the bowl and it was perfect. And I did not bleed at all. Wow. You know, I mean of course i had some bleeding but for the six weeks after but there was no gush of blood or anything Mm -hmm. so yeah that was a powerful part for me
0: that's different from anything i've ever seen
1: yeah me too
0: how was transition to breastfeeding
1: that surprisingly i didn't do right away i was just like i'm too busy staring at her and like finding my feet so we waited a little bit but my midwife before she left set us up sideline. And that was really nice because we bed shared. And so that was amazing to just be able to stay and also good for my tailbone. And not be sitting mm-hmm, up. Yes. So I just side lie fed her for like the first four days. And then I was like, wait, I don't think I know how to breastfeed sitting up. <laughs> like <laughs> I had this moment where I was like, we've mastered the side lie, but it felt so funny to like get up and feed her because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then when my midwife came back or I don't know, I just, at some point I was like, we'll try it this way. And luckily she was a great feeder. And there was one day when my milk came in that it just hurt so bad, my nipples. And I called my sister who had three kids and her husband actually was so sweet and so cute. He like clearly paid attention in all the classes and had been a great support to her. And so he actually like helped coach me through it and was like (laughs) reminding me things I know. And, and also just, you know, hearing my friends say like, people say it doesn't hurt but like it can hurt and it's not that there's anything wrong like the first few days like it's okay for it to hurt and i was like okay then it's normal and once my milk came in like the next day it all got better but mm-hmm. i wasn't expecting that i was sure that's, that there been a terrible problem
0: that's a very helpful important tidbit yeah okay here's my last couple of questions number one how do polly and luke get along
1: they're so great. And I'm so proud of him because, you know, I know it's tempting to look a cute baby's face all day long, but he's really great. He's really understanding that she's very important and that he can't go nuts on her all the time. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of energy, but I'm excited for them to be able to interact more.
0: Mm-hmm. Coming soon. Yeah. And then that's uh, what, if anything, what did you learn about you about birth for you? and about birth as a provider from your own experience
1: Mm, that's such a big question i think i learned yeah i mean obviously i feel so like proud of the whole process and her mostly and what we've created but i do you know we jonathan keeps teasing he's like highly recommend doing this with a a birth worker you know like i highly (laughs) recommend having a baby with a doula But we tease and it's not because, oh, I like know something that anyone else doesn't or, you know, have some greater capacity. It's not that at all. It's just I've been able to apply what I've really believed in. For so many years and really fully immerse myself in for so many years and all this information and experience and i think there's something really rewarding to know that there's benefit in that and there's value in that i think is most important so it definitely is, makes me even more passionate about my work knowing that the journey is a journey and you can't take away the challenges or the sleepless nights and all that but there's so much we can do with support to make it easier And I think I always knew that deep down, but now having walked my talk of what I share with my clients and got to see, you know, on the other end, how good I feel, which I wasn't fully expecting. And I do think a lot of that comes down to, like we talked about, whether it's the first 40 days, the nourishment, the nutrition, the support, the way you choose to birth and all of that. And so that feels really good, you know, for myself of course and for my confidence as a mother, but my confidence in my work and knowing that what I do out there to be a value to people. And now I kind of feel like I can really say it works when mm. we take good care of ourselves.
0: Yeah. It takes some effort, doesn't it?
1: It does, but in many ways it's been effortless. And we're lucky, you know, when so many factors, so many women can't stay home for a long time or have access to that support, of course, but I do think that if you put the work in before it does pay off
0: ultimately is there anything that you wanted to share that I left out
1: oh gosh no I feel like I <laughs> on
0: no it was so beautiful every minute Carson thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your story and for all the incredible work that you do
1: thank you Dr Berlin thank you that's one part of the pregnancy and postpartum I wish I had had you out here but
0: uh yeah. When you moved, and then I found out you're pregnant, I was like, uh, I
1: know.
0: of all the people I would want to be there for.
1: Oh my God, my uh, tailbone would have been so happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it to wasn't to be.
0: Carson, where can we find you online?
1: Carson-meyer.com is my website for my doula work and growing together, or Instagram at CC Meyer, and then seeingthemoon.com for seeing the moon products.
0: For yumminess. Are there uh-huh. new seeing the moon products coming? Eventually. In development. Eventually. They're just steady
1: Slow and steady. Amazing.
0: <laughs> All right. I will see you there. And then who knows? You might also appear at some point on Informed Pregnancy Plus. Yes, but, uh, I love
1: that. Do you want to meet little
0: Lou? Yes, please.
1: Sorry, I didn't know I was
0: in the shop. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> Hi, baby. There she is. <laughs> little yum. So bakery fresh.
1: Mm.
0: Oh, she's so sweet. <laughs> She's a sweetie. Where did she get those cheeks from? (laughs) Amazing.
1: Thank you so much.
0: All right, everybody at home, thanks for listening, watching. And we can also see you online at informedperkency.com.